Roxo Media House. Fortitude for her. All right, welcome to Fortitude, everybody. J.W. Wilson, Britton Payne, here with you, uh, bringing you something really cool today. Welcome to the uh, Captex Bank studio. Yes. Britton, I know you ask for money sometimes. I love to ask for money from people, but usually in a bank, you get the runaround. You have to file a bunch of papers, sign a bunch of forms. Sometimes you need a guy that actually will look at you in the face and see the value in what you're trying to borrow the money for and believe in you. This guy, these guys at Captex Bank, uh, particularly um, our friend over there, Mike. Yep. Yes, big Mike. The, these guys do it the right way. So, I was with Big Mike last night. And it's always good to see him around at places, right? What was he doing? Uh, we were at Joe T's together. Was he signing papers for anybody? No. He he looked right at me and run the eyes. He's like, whatever you need, I got it for you. I mean, that's the guy he is. There he is. You know. Thank you, Mike I- Thomas. Thank you, Captain Expense. <laughs> well, well, Britain, this gentleman was sitting between us goes by the name of Rob Ramage, which is a really badass name in itself. But yes. this guy, is his title is the general manager of Texas Motor Speedway. Welcome to the show, Rob Ramage. Honored to be here. Thank you so much I, for having me. I love me. it when people's names like match the industry they're in. Yes. There's like no better name than <laughs> Ramage for a guy who's running the NASCAR Indeed. track. So That's Rob, great. again, welcome to welcome for, uh, to the show. Thanks for being here. How fast did you drive getting here and which <laughs> stock car did you drive yeah. getting here? If we can dig in deeply. I'll give out the secret. It's a uh, real souped up Chevy Suburban. <laughs> no numbers on the side. And right. I can assure you and to all the good NASCAR fans listening, it was in excess of the speed limit. Excellent. Excellent. We saw you fishtailing the parking lot. Oh, yeah. Outside, saw me so burn out. Well yeah. done. Well done. Well, you have been at TMS now for over 10 years, around right on 10 yep. years, right? You come from a pretty cool background, general counsel, director of governmental affairs, and senior vice president of finance and compliance at TMS. Prior to that, you were an attorney, and you still are a practicing attorney, correct? Yes, what type of law did you practice? And you're still doing this to some extent, right? Yeah. So I've been a lawyer since 92. Seems like 100 years ago. <laughs> and when I first started practicing law, you know, nobody lets you work on the most complicated things when you're a new lawyer. Mm-hmm. Maybe in y'all's profession, you're not going to interview uh, Dak Prescott right out of school. Uh, but maybe more in your career. Sure. Uh, someone will then let you go interview somebody like that. So when I started off practicing, it was primarily in Texas, and it was representing companies primarily in very big injury and death cases. Mm -hmm. I represented a lot of law enforcement entities uh, where police officers were being sued, uh, allegations of excessive force, wrongful shooting, those kinds of things. Mm a lot of employment law defending companies. So like uh, sexual harassment, you know, a whistleblower, whatever. And then my career progressed. And then it was more very complex commercial litigation, uh, representing celebrities, representing some athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, Any drivers? And is that how the... Some drivers. yeah, Yeah. And some drivers... Uh, a lot of pro rodeo cowboys, mm-hmm. some PGA guys, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. And then a lot of intellectual property and a lot of white collar crime. Okay. So that's what I did all across the United States. Uh, Are you based out of here? 
based out of Dallas, mm -hmm. um, but would handle cases New York, San Francisco, Miami, yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Were you always a fan of, of the of the sport NASCAR? I grew up with it. Okay. Um, so my dad uh, raced cars when he was younger. Nice. And it was just as a small child, my dad was a huge fan. And so you're always with your dad mm -hmm. and you're always wanting to hang out with him. And so I grew up going to races with my dad. And then every Saturday, Sunday, we would watch races on TV. Nice. And I can remember even being with my dad, listening to races mm -hmm. in the garage uh, on a Sunday. How many, was this in Dallas? Growing uh, up in Dallas? Oklahoma. Okay. And then, so how many tracks were in in place at that time? There were, oh not, my gosh. I mean, there um, wasn't as many as now, right? There was not. Yeah. Um, if I were to have to guess, I would say 30, you yeah. know, 40, something yeah. like that. But the big ones were there, like the Talladega's. Oh, yeah. and Darlington. The, so mm -hmm. Darlington, South Carolina, is this weekend. That's an old historic track. Yeah. Um, my company, so we own 10 racetracks. And so my company just bought probably one of the most historic racetracks in the United States, North Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Wow. And nice. so we're uh, rehabbing that and repurposing it. Mm-hmm and bringing back that great diamond right. back to life. So right. that's exciting. So you 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 succeeded the legendary Eddie Gossage, uh, who stepped down in June after 25 years running TMS. Uh, he'd been there for more than three decades, I believe. How, how did this come to happen? Uh, well, Eddie just decided to spend more time with his family. Mm -hmm. um, I had, as you can tell by my titles, wore lots of different hats. Right was very exposed to all the different business operations, different departments. Mm -hmm. And so I had the experience, which was a blessing for me to step into this job. You wanted to spend less time with your family, sounds like. It, it's <laughs> just kidding, it, just kidding. That's about the reality of it, mm -hmm. you know. Before uh, that, though, you're just practicing law going on, and then did TMS become a client or something? And how did that go? How did you jump from those worlds? Um, I knew of the opening. I knew my predecessor. We talked about it, and bada-bing, bada-boom, yep. there I was. Yeah, great, great. So let's talk about your role as GM at Texas Motor Speedway. What what is the GM of this the world? It's one of the largest sports stadiums in the United States, which is incredible. If you've ever been there, you should see it at some point. It's it's amazing. But what is your what does a day in the life of of Rob Ramage look like? Yeah, early mornings, late nights, and so I oversee all the departments at the Speedway. So finance, marketing, corporate sales. Ticket sales, tick, ticket logistics, the operations department. Uh, we have a 10-story condominium with 76 condominium units and 110,000 square feet of commercial office space. Um, we have activities going on the property every day. So my job is to, um, I'm a cheerleader, mm -hmm. uh, ask a lot of questions, make sure things are running smoothly, make sure that we're profitable, uh, deal with the day-to-day -day issues that arise. And being 1,600 acres, having such a large stadium, every day there's always some issue that we have to deal with. Mm -hmm. How many people does TMS hold? So uh, 
capacity was in the grandstands right at 109,000. Holy cow. Wow. In the interior infield right at uh, 65,000. And then we have campgrounds all throughout the campus. That's and a then lot. 202 64 person suites. Oh, wow. So, so it's it a becomes lot of people. a city twice a year. So the mayor and I were talking yesterday, two days ago. Um, and I said, you know, we have a lot in common. What is that, Rob? And I said, when we have our big NASCAR events or another big event, I'm a mayor of a small city. And so we have hospitals. You don't get voted in, though. That's the easy way to get yeah, in. Yeah, huh? that's right. That's right. Uh, but we have hospitals. We have safety issues. Uh, we work with Fort Worth PD, Fort Worth Fire. It's just a lot of moving parts. Yeah. How many employees, Rob? Uh, right now, 59. 59? Yeah. You but know, you talked about, and that's just, and then what, do you just onboard a whole bunch of others when the races yeah. come around? So prior to the pandemic, we had around 140. We've kind of right-sized some different things, mm -hmm. restructured stuff. Uh, during the NASCAR event, we will hire, say, 7,500 uh, part-time event staff workers. Okay. And so those are people that we know, that we trust, mm -hmm. that we have a history with. Some of them are new. But then they come in, and it's real cool because a lot of those people have been in those roles for 10, 15, 20 years, and they know right what to do, what's expected, where to go. It's a lot of fun. Who's in charge of uh, buying beer for these events? Bush, <laughs> Bush beer specifically. Who, how many cases of Bush beer are we talking? I'm There's kind of kidding. Miller products I'm as kidding, well. I know. Yeah. <laughs> how much alcohol is sold on a, on a good race day? Is that something you would you would be able to speak to? The, uh, so we allow coolers, mm -hmm. and so that's one thing that makes us unique and really a very priceless experience for the fans. So if you two guys come and you buy a grandstand ticket, you can bring a cooler. Our only restriction is you don't bring glass, right. mm -hmm. but you can bring your own beers. You can bring some sandwiches, bring some food. So if we didn't do that, we would set a world record on beer sales. But I can assure you, our beer sales are strong. I bet. And, and then the other thing, so if the three of us were going to TMS and we're going to camp, you'd go to Costco, you'd go to Walmart, and I'd go to Kroger or whatever. Right. And we would load up. And so we're bringing a lot of our own supplies. Yep. Um, that costs us money. We know that. But it's a great value for the fan. Right. You mentioned the uniqueness of the, the bringing the coolers in, but what makes you different from your predecessor, Eddie Gossage? What are you doing different at CMS? Yeah. Um, so I took over in August, and um, I'm, I'm very focused on the fans because at the end of the day, that's I'm a fan that works at a racetrack. Mm -hmm. And you might be a fan of public speaking or interviewing people, and that's y'all's jobs. That's the way I feel. Uh, in August, I wanted to kind of do things differently, but didn't really have the time to put my fingerprints on it. Right. Um, I'm a big believer in music, concerts, having fun, and creating a festival-type environment. Uh, I know our campers, and I know that our campers like to cook. I know that uh, you think you make the best brisket. You think you make the best brisket. Yeah. When we had the October race, um, 
I had a barbecue cook-off, mm-hmm. and it was twofold. One, the pros, uh, the people that came in with big, giant c- cookers and and uh, participate in all these tours, and then the three of us that are just Joe Blow and but believe in our stuff. And that was something that had never been done before. And then I hired concerts, uh, created uh, a kid's fan zone, we had never had a concert in the infield at Texas Motor Speedway. And, you know, our infield, the party scene is legendary, but I wanted to amp that up. <laughs> and so I hired a Kiss tribute band. Oh, nice. Um, that was for the October race. And so I was kind of telegraphing and telling my teammates that I want to create a festival. Yeah. I want to create a festival that doesn't have anything to do with motorsports racing. Mm-hmm. Something that's going to be fun and unique for every, no matter who you are. So for our big race coming up is on May the 22nd, our NASCAR All-Star Race. Right. So we have what we call a fan zone. So you park in the parking lot, and you walk, and you got to walk through it to get to your seats in the grandstands. I really hope y'all come. Okay. And I really hope that all those watching this come. What you are going to see is a run a show from 8 a.m. to 2 a.m. And it's all kinds of whack activities, DJs, music, smoke in the air, human cannibal, high wire acts, dog canine performances, a stage um, with pros on the stage interviewing athletes Mm-hmm. celebrities, all the drivers, all these unique, uber cool personalities. It's never really been done. Yeah. And so that's kind of different. And then the other things that I wanted to do that were different is um, my, my ears are slipping. You, I'm you sorry, guys. That if you, yeah, there, you uh, go. there you go. Um, Blake Shelton. So Blake Shelton for that race is going to perform a 60-minute concert. Nice. With his wife, maybe. Uh, you got to come to watch. Uh, so I'll just leave that out there. Um, so we had never really hired a Blake Shelton mm-hmm. type, that yeah. level of talent to perform at a NASCAR race. Mm-hmm. So that's something new and different. And if you look at our price points, if you go to our website, texasmotorspeedway.com, I challenge you. And I challenge the listeners, just for that Blake Shelton concert, you could not go to Dickies and you could not go to AAC for that same price point and get to see somebody like Blake Shelton Fair. Yeah. perform for an hour. Well, and think about it. We're coming off the heels of Coachella, Stagecoach, these yep. huge festivals that are coming back with, yep. you know, and out of the pandemic. And there's no way that you can go and do that. Speaking of your earphones. What goes on with the NASCAR fan in the headphones? I was uh, like, it's, tell us about that because you see a lot of people. That's another fan engagement that I don't think other sports they they, they don't have either. They don't. Um, I'll answer that, and then I want to go back to what's different. Okay. Um, so the earphones. So um, it comes with a scanner, and you have a card, and it shows you what drivers are on what frequency, what their racing teams and their spotters. And so when the drivers are in the car driving, they have ears and a mic, and they're talking to spotters way up high that's telling them, 
slow down or speed up or this car's coming up on your rear or pass left, pass right. Those guys at our track are going 200 mile an hour. Mm -hmm. And so when you're going 200 mile an hour, it's not like you're driving and you're looking in your rear view mirror <laughs> and you're scratching yourself and, and looking around and you have this great field of vision. They're about ready to go in the air. Yeah. They're going so fast and their eyes are forward. They're watching the telemetry, all their uh, gauges, and they're driving a car and shifting and doing all this stuff. And they need that extra set of eyes to communicate with them. And then the other thing they're doing is they're talking to their crew chief, engineers and mechanics. And it's, hey, uh, I'm losing speed coming out of this turn. I feel like we're off on the left rear or whatever the case may be. And then the crew chiefs, the mechanics and the engineers are all reading the data, the diagnostics, and then they're preparing to make changes to help that driver be more uh, faster uh, when they come in and pit. So that's yeah. what's going on. Yeah. As a fan, um, that's where you hear really priceless comments. Oh, I can't imagine. I can remember being at TMS for the grand opening, if you will, the very first race in the history of Texas. Um, and I'm listening. I'm sitting with my dad, and I'm sitting with my brother, who's now deceased. And we all had the same earphones into the same deal, so we were all listening to the same thing. And I can remember listening to Dell Sr., who's since passed, talking um, to his crew chief about world-famous driver Jeff Gordon that was in front of him and that he wanted to pass, and he felt like he had a faster car. And so you're listening to all that dialogue and so is everybody else in the grandstands. And when Dell Sr. ended up passing Jeff Gordon, everybody in the grandstand stood up and was going nuts. Because they knew it was coming. Now, when yeah. when he's saying that, is it like, hey, uh, I think I'd like to pass him here? Like, uh, no. Or is it like, no. I'm going to do it now? And they're like, wait, wait, wait. And they're, they're trying to find that perfect time. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and then who yields to who? Does the driver ultimately make the decision or that? that spotter pit crew or is it it i think depends. it's a combination yeah. of both yeah and every circumstance is a little bit unique yeah yep. but as a fan uh so i'm a fan of the dallas cowboys and i love watching their games love the cowboys i don't get to hear dak prescott getting plays mm -hmm. i don't get to hear the coaches talking right. about hey, we should have thrown the football 20 yards downfield to Joe Blow, yeah. to C.D. Lamb. Yeah. You don't get to hear any of that. In our sport, you do get to hear that. Mm -hmm. Another thing that's uber cool about our sport, so y'all been to the Cowboys, you've been to the Mavericks, you've been to the Rangers, you've been to the Stars. How many times, maybe y'all are different, uh, because of your profession, but how many times does the fan get to see Dak Prescott right before the game or Luca or any anybody on the team? How many times do you get to go in the locker room and walk around and see Dak Prescott or Ezekiel Elliott getting their ankles taped mm -hmm. or those kind of things? Mm -hmm. Or you, their equipment, you don't. right? Like, like if yeah. you could look at their pads and their yeah, shoes you don't. and their helmets, yeah. You don't. And so in our sport, no sport 
probably in the world gives the fan that type of athlete access. Mm -hmm. In my sport, if you have the right credential, you can go down in the garage, you can watch them working on the cars, you can look in these uber cool haulers, see all the engineering and everything, and you are right there standing next to the driver just like we are. Yeah. And as a fan, that's pretty cool. Oh, it's yeah. very, very cool, Rob. Yeah. Because you're getting to see and be part of everything. And again, if anybody can prove me wrong, if somebody can call in or do whatever and say, hey, that guy at the racetrack is wrong, uh, the Texas Rangers or the NHL allows you to go in the locker rooms or what, please let me know. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt the fans are extremely loyal to the, your sport and, and, oh, and yeah. growing much so, and this is probably a part of it, that which is well done. I mean, I think you've done an amazing job thus far, and it's only getting better. Would you mind stepping back to the the, the things? Yeah, the fan di experience. The difference in, in yeah. you and your, and your predecessor? Yeah. Um, so if you knew me and you knew me well, um, one of the big things that I'm very, very focused on is I want our grandstands to look like our city. And I want every ethnicity, every culture um, in our community to know that you're wanted and welcome, to come to my home, to let me share with you what I love the most. So... Uh, for years, I've done a lot of public speaking in the Hispanic community. And uh, it's me out there using my forum, using my platform, if you will, to support and embrace the Hispanic community. So um, what's different? Never been done, not even in the markets with high Hispanic community populations, Miami, Phoenix, mm -hmm. L.A., mm -hmm. uh, California, um, I've hired Bonda MSA. And so Bonda MSA is going to come perform and do a 60-minute show uh, post-race. Nice. And Bonda MSA is the only Mexican band to perform and record with Snoop Dogg. They are the only Mexican band to perform at Coachella. And I'll represent to you that if you uh, follow or enjoy uh, Mexican music, that Banda MSA is kind of a Rolling Stones, mm -hmm. a U2. They're a household name. I watched them on Coachella. I watched a lot of that live feed, and they kept. I kept going back to that just because I was waiting for another band. But they are very captivating. Yeah, uh, they're they awesome. Do a great job. Yeah, they're, they're a great band. So my goals, my guardrails for success, our guardrails for success, are that we want everyone in the Hispanic community to know. We're doing this for you. Yeah. And great. we want you to come, be part of the crew, part of the team, and enjoy the experience. And so to amp that up, there's uh, one Mexican driver That's on the nice. Cup Series, mm -hmm. uh, Daniel, Daniel, Suarez. Daniel yep. Suarez. And he's a wonderful young man from Monterey, Mexico. And he's a friend. And I started sharing this vision with him November, December. And so on that mini version of the State Fair of Texas, the fan zone, on that big stage, which I spoke about earlier, yeah. Daniel is going to come speak. And he's going to do that at 2 o'clock on that Sunday. And so hopefully everybody from the um, Hispanic community in our town uh, will come. 
they'll listen to Daniel because they they want to support him. He's their driver, and they're going to have fun. They're going to go watch Blake Shelton do a 60-minute concert. I've had a bunch of things brought in on our fan zone that are very Hispanic-centric. Mm-hmm. And so all those activities, so they're going to feel welcome and wanted, and they're going to appreciate that. The open race for that day uh, begins at 5. So those are the guys racing who don't have a guaranteed seat in okay. the all-star race, so they haven't won. Is that Saturday or Friday? That's Sunday. So, that's Sunday, okay. Sunday, May the 22nd. Okay. So that'll be at 5 o'clock. And then um, I've got a Super Bowl-esque pre-race uh, stage, uh-huh. uh, all kinds of whack, uber cool, fun things. Be just like what you saw at a halftime show on the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, that's going to happen 630. Uh, the green flag is going to wave. Um, I've got a really cool uh, special guest that's going to wave the green flag that's going to be very epic. If yeah, okay. I don't mind saying so, is this a surprise? I'm guessing it's, it'll okay. be a surprise. Okay. And then it, is uh, it does he look like this guy or this? He guy? does not. Okay. He does not. Okay. He, I'm sorry. It could be a no, sheet. True. Right. True. Um, and then that race begins at seven. That race will be over eight twenty, eight thirty. Okay. And then uh, Bonda MSA is going to perform. There's going to be fireworks and all kinds of activities. And my goal for that day is that all those members of the Hispanic community, they had such a wonderful time while they were there doing all these things, watching a NASCAR race, and then they get to see what they wanted to see, the Bonda MSA. And then when they're leaving, they realize, boy, this was fun. It was a priceless value. I was treated with respect, and and I was welcome, and and they want me to come back. And they want me to be part of the team. And then they are. Yeah. Uh, and then I want to start uh, working on other ethnicities. Um, I was telling Emmett Smith the other day, the Uber uh, all-time greatest running back, in my opinion, of all time, one of the greatest Cowboys. Um, I was telling him, we have one African-American cup driver, um, Bubba Wallace. And Emmett Smith bought a racing team, and it's in the Xfinity series. And after this race, I want to get with Emmett and and people in the sport that are African American. How do we effectively communicate to that part of our community that you too are wanted and welcome? Mm-hmm. And what I do is the coolest. There is nothing finer on planet Earth than NASCAR motorsports racing. Mm -hmm. There is nothing better than being at a NASCAR racetrack for a weekend. And I don't care who you are, where you're from, it is uber cool. Yeah. And I want the world, all the ethnicities in our community to know this is cool. It is cool. It is. I love that you're pushing forward in that regard. Well done, Rob. Thank you. So before we get into the race experience, I wanted to the, the the track itself is a mile and a half long. Yeah. One lap around, which is incredible. You host three NASCAR events annually. Uh, besides racing, what else goes on at TMS? Bes- uh, before we talk about racing, what else do you do? Because there's a lot of things happening there besides just racing. Every day. Every Cooking, day. camping, yeah. partying. <laughs> Lots of that. Um, so I guess prior to the pandemic, we would host on average 
say, 750 publicly attended events. And since the pandemic, as best as I can kind of figure, we're right around 350 to 400 events per year. Wow. And so there are car shows. Um, like most recently, we hosted the Ducks Unlimited Outdoor Festival, the largest outdoor festival, uh, conservation, outdoor activities, biking, duck hunting, canoeing, kayaking. Um, that's an example of something unique that we do. We'll have 20 to 30 concerts per year, all kinds of corporate activities, driving schools. Um, we've got uh, an, uh, two events that are about ready to start. They're setting up uh, is a bubble run, uh, which is kind of a fun type of activity uh, for walkers and runners. And then we have a bike MS to bring awareness to multiple sclerosis mm -hmm. to wow. raise money for them. But every day at the racetrack, there is an event going on yeah. every day. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of fun and it's uh, smaller scale things, proms, weddings. Yeah. Um, so my office building is just like y'all's. It's, you know, just a normal corporate office and it's nine stories and the top ninth uh, floor is a 1200 person ballroom. And so there's, all kinds of stuff. We've had boxing fights. Yeah. Um, we had a wedding once where they brought a baby elephant. Um, I mean, you name it. Yeah. We've done it. Has the um the population increase in in that whole northern area? Because when you all first came, there there was a lot of green Nothing. pasture. And from yeah. that top area there, you'd see. Has that just helped to fill those days? I mean, it really has. I think it's a substantially increased tours. So mm -hmm. we do tours every day at the racetrack. And so if you live nearby and, hey, I want to go inside the track, you can take a tour. You hop in a Suburban or a van and there's a tour guide mm -hmm. and they take you out on the track. That's a lot of fun. We have driving schools and riding experiences where we have all these stock cars. We've partnered with different companies. And so hey, uh, really for a small fee, I want to learn how to drive a stock car or I want to just ride in one, but I want to go 170, 180 mile an hour. We have those activities going on every day mm -hmm. as the population within our five mile radius has substantially increased. All of that kind of business has, mm -hmm. but it's also brought more awareness to who we are and yeah. what we're doing. And yeah activities at the track mm -hmm. um so it's fun and it's real cool to see you know where the bucky's is across the street from tms i used to dove hunt in that field mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know it's just kind of cool yeah how, to see how it grows and then hillwood mike berry in particular has just done a fabulous job on um new corporations coming into our community and i I say this openly and I really mean it every time Hillwood wins as a developer by bringing in Charles Schwab, yep. our community wins, our city wins. Uh, and so do I, and so do all the other businesses mm -hmm. because that's more people coming into your stores, buying goods and services and looking for entertainment. Yeah. You mentioned before the show about the COVID situation when you had to shut down, but you yeah. mentioned something remarkable in regards to the vaccine. Can you speak to that for a sec? Yeah. The um, 
a very unique experience in my life. Like every, we all have our own kind of COVID coexistence experiences. And some people were shuttered in place and worked remotely. And some people still are working remotely. Um, I had a unique position that when the pandemic first occurred, somebody had to be there. Somebody had to be in our building. And uh, for the most part, it was just me. And at times, one other person. Um, we wanted to continue to uh, do our business, uh, to uh, go about it in a very safe, government-approved manner, but to still have fun and give people fun options. So we originally started off doing a lot of uh, stay-in-your-car concerts. Yeah. Stay in your car, drive in movies, stay in your car, buy a corn dog, stay in your car, do this, can't get out of your car. Uh, but that was the time we lived in, and that's what we had to do to comply with our laws. Um, so when we were going through that process, we learned. And when the vaccines emerged, I can remember uh, watching on TV um, another city, not our city, that was managing vaccines at the State Fair of Texas. Um, and what I saw at that time, the people that could get vaccines, you had to be over 70 or you had to have a, an illness or something. Um, not everybody could get a vaccine. And what I saw was people standing in line at three in the morning um, in the cold, in the snow, in the rain, and they were probably getting sick or catching COVID while yeah. they were in line. And then a lot of people weren't getting their vaccines. And uh, Denton County Judge Andy Eads is just a solid bar of gold. He's just the best man in the world. And he and I and TMS had previously done the stay in your car graduations and all this other stuff. We graduated over 16,000 children. Wow from uh, 62 different high schools. And we gave those families a graduation ceremony that candidly my children did not get. So we were always learning. And so when we saw these vaccines, we knew um, y'all are going about it the wrong way. And so me and Judge Eads, we started speaking with people in Austin and it's, I've got 1600 acres. We are experts on moving people, yeah. on moving cars, on knowing human traffic um, and being how to manage people efficiently and so forth. Uh, we're not public health people. We're not government officials. But what you saw at the end of the day was the perfect marriage between a bunch of rednecks and uh, a bunch of public health experts that knew how to how to do the vaccines. So we met, met, and met, and um, one of my favorite meetings was we had a meeting. There was maybe 60 people in the meeting, and I'm listening to all these public health experts, and they're talking about the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, and all these different things. And you're listening to all these people talk, and everyone's always compelled to add their two cents in. Yeah. And I said, hey, um, I just want to let everybody know that um, we've got you covered on the fuel and on the wreckers. And people kind of looked at me and what, you know, ramage, this isn't a race. Yeah. 
and we don't need fuel trucks. We don't need wreckers. People aren't going to wreck. And uh, I said, well, we're used to moving people and large amounts of people. Not everybody can afford a brand new car and uh, people have car trouble and not everybody, you know, and back then the price of fuel was night and day what it is now. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can have afford to have a, a full tank of gas. And so people run out of gas. And so when I say fuel trucks, I'm not talking a big Sunoco 18 wheeler. I'm talking about a pickup truck with five, six, seven, five gallon jugs of fuel, like what you use for your lawnmower. Right. And uh, wreckers, uh, I hope people don't wreck, but somebody's car may break down. Yeah. And we got to be prepared to deal with that. So everybody dismissed it. And, you know, Rob works at a racetrack, but whatever. The very first day, within the first hour, maybe hour and a half, the cars going through line, um, a car broke down. So we had a wrecker come in, lift that car up, drive them through where they would get their vaccine. And that person got a vaccine while being towed. Um, I was listening on my headphones when that happened to them talking, and it was it was joyous. It was epic. And um, and then we had a couple of other cars that within, you know, the first three or four hours that ran out of gasoline. And so we, uh, a gentleman I work with would get out of his pickup, go over and put some gasoline in their car, prime it if needed, and then fire it up and then they're good to go. The it, A lot of thought and a lot of hard work went into it. We used things very simple, like what I just spoke about, mm-hmm. all the way to the Internet of Things, to tethered UAS or drone systems. We did, we we gave more vaccines than anywhere else in the world, over 460,000 vaccines. And if you recall, at that time when you would get your vaccine, uh, you would have to sit in your car and wait 15 minutes mm-hmm. uh, per the CDCs in case you wouldn't faint or something. Yeah. We never, ever, 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 ever lost our 22-minute efficiency standard. So that meant once you were on my property and we measured it, that you were really only going through the process seven minutes to get your vaccine and that you would then pull forward and put your car in park and sit there for 15 minutes and then you would be told your 15th this line here the 15 minutes is over and then you would peel out we set two world records on vaccines and um not only the most overall given at one site but the most given in one day that's fantastic and that was speed timing and efficiency i don't know where you get that yeah. And where you're a fan of I'm going to figure that out before All the this end. greater good, and they took a loss. I only can only imagine economic we, loss. We shut down our yeah. business so, so that we could solely uh, focus on that. Good for you guys. So, and that, um, I can't tell you how many people I run into, hey, I got my vaccine at your shot. Or, hey, uh, my parents are very elderly, and they were very worried about the vaccine, and they came to your property. Thank you. And they were treated with respect and taken care of, and then boom, off. Great yeah. job. Um, Great job. So being a part and giving back to our community um, is something that's near and dear to all of our hearts. 
Um, another thing that maybe your listeners or y'all may not know is we have our own charity. And so Speedway Children's Charity, um, it's been around since the existence of our track, and we have a full-time employee. Uh, we have a board. I'm on it. And we raise and give back to Tarrant, um, Collin, uh, Denton, and Dallas County. Uh, those four counties is our turf. And our mission is to improve the lives of children. And so as y'all can imagine, um, there there's so many unfortunate different causes for children. I mean, mm-hmm. there's thousands of them. One of the things that I changed is uh, I want us to narrow our focus uh, so we can be more effective. And so we're really going to focus on uh, combating all the evils of human trafficking. And so each year we may raise 400 grand, 500 grand, 600 grand, 700 grand. Um, We have a big giant Christmas party at the racetrack. Yeah. Santa is there. Mm-hmm. So if you want to see the real Santa. Holy cow. How'd you manage that? It just, Rob, that's just, incredible. They have a landing area. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's oh, got yeah. a lot of, of space. Course, space. 1,600 yeah. acres. You, you guys you, appreciate space, I've heard. You yeah. both are invited. Uh, we would it, love to meet Santa. And it's so sweet. The real Santa will be there. And then we have a grant distribution. And so the grant distribution is all these charities that are really out there helping out children that are victims of human trafficking. They will be there and we'll have these big giant checks and we'll hand them out. And it's a wonderful night. It's a wonderful celebration. And a lot of people in our community uh, don't know about that. And they think, well, it's just a racetrack. Uh, We're out there doing our part and giving back. That's awesome. Love it, Rob. That's fantastic. So TMS, indeed, applause indeed. TMS has a $300 million economic impact on North Texas. Of all things you've talked about, the most important thing I think you do, aside from helping children, we know TMS is a racetrack. Now let's talk about racing before we get out of here. But let's do it. What is it like to be a race car driver? Just for someone who doesn't understand this world, could you give us a little insight into what it's like to be a race car driver? Yeah. Um, it takes a years and years and years of um, failure. Driving left. Learning success to get to where these guys are today. Um, People make comparisons, you know, who's the best driver, uh, Formula One, NASCAR, whatever. In my, I've grown up with racing my whole life. And in my opinion, the NASCAR drivers are the best race car drivers in the world. And people can debate me and that's fair, but that's my opinion. The drive, the modern day driver started off driving race cars when they were itty bitty, when some of them four years old, five years old, eight years old, and they started off uh, bandoleros, legends, carts, um, uh, mini sprints, you know, all kinds of other different racing. And then they're working their way. It's just like a baseball player, Mm -hmm. uh, a guy on the Texas Rangers team. He just didn't show up one day and say, hey, I want to try out for the Rangers. Yeah. He played peewee. He played grammar school. He played high school. Select. Club, yeah. Select. Xbox. Junior college. You know, Division One college, Division Two college, PS4. minor leagues. 
double A, triple A, yada, yada, yada. You really have to work your way up to that level. These guys are real deal athletes. They're in prime shape. They're physically fit. They are uber strong. And they have eye, hand, and feet coordination that the average human does not have. They clutch? Yes. It's paddle shift or is it stick shift? Stick shift. You got to be 200 pounds to be a driver? No. Most of the drivers are this not joke? Are, are not big guys. You're reading it. You tell me. <laughs> you got to be under 200, I'll bet. What are they, 140 or something? One, the it, little? It, it, it varies, but most of them are smaller guys because the cars are small. Yeah. Um, but they're physically fit. Um, they they can do things with a car. It's it's not our experience driving a car. Yeah. It's not you getting on I-30 and 35 and changing lanes and being able to merge with traffic. It's almost an uncanny, weird ability to navigate the wind, to know engineering, to know mechanics, to know what's going on in your vehicle. And it's not just always about going uber fast. Right. But it's having an extraordinary comfort in that, isn't it? Too? Oh, yeah. Like, like I mean, oh, yeah. where most people are freaking out going at that speeds. Oh, yeah. Those guys, it almost like they're their BP drops in scenarios like That's right. that rhythm rises. It, it does. So visualize the three of us are leaving here and we're going to go to a DFW and hop on a plane. And we're taxiing out. We're on the tarmac. And the pilot comes on. Everybody buckle up. We're taking off or whatever the pilot says. And you know that feeling that you get. You're not even driving. You may not even be looking out your window. And those jets roar up, and that thing starts taking off the runway. Imagine doing that for 500 miles. How fast those jets go when they take off? Around 170, 180. About what those cars go? Yeah. And so imagine doing that, except, oh, my gosh, there's 40 other jets on this tarmac. And I'm turning. And, and we're racing with each other, and I'm turning. That's what those guys are going through. Yeah. So the next time you, you're you on a plane, you think about that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. What's a coach see, you know, or, or somebody who's like, that kid's got talent? What what's what do you think the number one thing is? Is it the the guts that they have, the, the moxie, or is it more the technical? I think it's I think it's the ability to hit your marks on turns. And the appreciation and the technical understanding that it's not about just putting your foot down on the gas and mashing it. Mm -hmm. So, like, so when y'all go home, get in your car and get on the highway and go as fast as you can. Go as fast as you can. We don't condone that. Our legal team is... uh <laughs> sweating over here but you know we're doing that after this interview for sure yeah. but if you did that and if you drove your car that way your car would begin to have mechanical problems yes and if you came to every red light and just slammed on your brakes <laughs> and skid your brakes would fail yeah your tires would fail uh, they wouldn't last like they were meant to so when we drive our cars we're being responsible and obeying the laws but we're taking care of our equipment so that driver 
So imagine you've, you're racing for all this big time money. You've got all these people around you. You got to keep your sponsors happy. You're putting on a show and you are uber competitive. You have to have that self-discipline and that self-restraint to save and preserve your equipment yeah. because the day's a long day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's pretty cool. Well, it's a long, I would imagine, weekend, you know. Yeah. You're there. You've got all these people around looking. There's a lot of rules in NASCAR. I mean, there is an incredible inspection process that occurs right. on those vehicles. They don't put up with anybody just coming in with any kind of makeshift deal. I mean, it is precise on yeah. what you cannot do to get an advantage in that. It, everything is inspected thoroughly. That's one of my favorite parts as a fan to mm -hmm. watch. So you'll watch the crew chief and the crew, and they're pushing the car, and they go through this inspection area, and they have all these templates and stuff that come down. They're testing the exhaust, the diagnostics, the fuel, the everything, and you're watching that crew. Yeah. And you can see it in their eyes, kind of holding our breath hoping that we make it through the inspection because if you don't you could have the fastest car in the field if you're trying to cheat or violate the rules and it's all gamesmanship if you get caught you're going to have to go back and and conform to what the rule book says mm -hmm. and you may have to start at the rear of the field did Ed, the, the pandemic and coming out of it with this sport affect the supply of some of those parts at all like i've got to think somewhere somebody said we usually you used to weld this out of steel we're just going to do an aluminum type of like there's got yeah. to exist that somewhere it, there's been a few adaptations that were made mm -hmm. because of supply chain issues uh but nascar the racing teams they're really the best they really foresaw through a lot of stuff yeah and so if these types of chips or these types of parts or these types of things existed, people really did a good job mm -hmm. and had the foresight to, okay, there's 200 of these things. We're going to buy all 200. Yeah. So it, in that regard, it really has not impacted the sport. What's the cost on our own of your cars, Rob, generally speaking? Oh my gosh. Uh, millions of millions of dollars. For one car? Yep. Oh, and so incredible. you think about it too, um you you've got to have engineers you've got to have mechanics you got to have all these people to be able to support and work on that one car yeah and so it's not just a car and it's in the garage and i've got a truck driver who's going to load it up and drive it to texas it's hundreds upon hundreds of people when you go to north carolina and you see the racing team headquarters, you think it's a shopping mall or something. It's just, it takes an army of people to build these cars, yeah. to put them together, and to remain competitive. Well, and so then how much cool. bad blood happens when Rob goes to JW's team for my team? Like, yeah. there's there's probably a whole inner, inner working of politics that exists in that pit There area. has to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's probably pretty interesting. Yeah. Rob, the sport is inherently dangerous because of what you're doing. Um, yeah. you've, you've seen some things over the years that, that involve some accidents. Do you have any stories that, that are come to mind of, you know, the inherent risk of the sport? Albeit a yeah. fantastic thing, but. The, yeah, it's, um, that's the bad that comes with the good. 
Um, this is a life and death sport, and uh, the drivers are incredibly brave. And every time they get in a car uh, and do what they do, uh, they're risking their lives. Uh, the pit crew members jumping back and forth in front of the cars to mm -hmm. service the cars. Um, you've seen it on TV. I have and seen it in person where one of those guys doing their job could accidentally get hurt. Um, there's all kinds of risk. Um, one of the more personal stories that I have is uh, uh, really with the IndyCar series. And the IndyCar series, we host an IndyCar race every year. That's a carbon fiber car. Mm -hmm. uh, that is a steering wheel that all everything is on the steering wheel. The accelerator, the brake, the shifting, the power boosting, all the controls is right there. It's about that big. And when you sit in those cars, you almost sit like an L. And there's really not a lot of protection up front. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're safe and they're designed great. Uh, but it's just a very different vehicle than a NASCAR stock car. Um, there's a young uh, driver who is just fabulous, and he's just a wonderful, wonderful human. And I'll tell you a story about him. Um, Joseph Newgarden is his name. And so we were having an indie race at our racetrack, and right before my eyes, Joseph crashed. And I know that uh, when those drivers crash like that, particularly in that series, they could be fatally wounded. Mm -hmm. And so I just watched this horrific crash right in front of me, and I know this young man, solid bar of gold. Um, and then I saw his head just kind of leaning forward, mm -hmm. and so you're just really worried as a fan and as a friend. And uh, he was fine. Um, he ended up having a couple of broken ribs, and a broken arm, and a um, lot of bruising. He had to be care flighted to a hospital, and that really hit close to home. Joseph ran a race the next week mm. with all those injuries. Um, my Joseph Newgarden story, um, it's worth telling, and I think your listeners will appreciate it. And this isn't unique to Joseph. The NASCAR guys are the same way, but Joseph is top of mind. Um, we had an IndyCar race six weeks ago at TMS. And about four weeks prior to that, um, I'm laying in bed and I'm reading Fox News and I'm going through a story about uh, a seven-year-old boy in Parker County, Texas, that gets off the school bus and is walking home and um, is attacked by a pit bull-type creature dog. And a woman sitting on her porch sees this dog dragging this boy into a creek. Mm. She goes to save the child. She gets beat up just like the three of us would from this dog. But she saves that boy's life. Mm -hmm. She does. And the, the coolest part about my job, and while I'll never leave, is we have the ability to bless people with our blessings. And so I reach out to the county sheriff. The Fox story uh, said that he was the one investigating it and so forth. Arrested the woman that owned the dog, reached out. He connected us with the family. Well, what seven-year-old boy doesn't like race cars? Mm. They all do. And 
So I talked to his mother and said, you know, my name's Rob. I work at the racetrack, and um, I want you and your family to come out and be in our suite and to have fun. And if uh, Connor is the young boy's name, if Connor wants to do it, um, King's X will make him the grand marshal of the race, and he can go down to victory lane with me and hand out the trophy to the winner. And so um, the mom works at a donut store and couldn't be at the racetrack in time. So we hired the world's gaudiest, longest white limousine, um, had them go pick the boy up, filled it with Coca-Cola and cupcakes Mm. and balloons and cookies and all this other stuff, had him transported to the track. And so I drive him down uh, with his family into Victory Lane there's fireworks and hoopla. Well, who wins the race? Joseph Newgarden. Mm-hmm. And that was a very historic moment because Team Penske, that was their 600th win. And so I'm standing there, and I've got this little boy with me, and it's obvious that he had a, um, an event, yeah. you know, the dog bite yep. attack. And so Joseph Newgarden had no idea who this boy was. And so I said, well, Joseph, I need you to come get photos made with this young man. He just won a race. His car is smoking. His eyes are this big. You know, he's been going 230 miles an hour. little adrenaline going in. Yes. And he was so sweet. Got his photo made with the boy. The boy loved it. Um, Two days ago. Joseph Newgarden sent me, and well, let me back up, in Victory Lane, Rob, who was that boy. So he's there celebrating this historic win that just happened. And within five minutes, he's asking me, who is this little boy? Why, you know, what's the story behind him? And I can tell Joseph was genuinely touched. Two days ago, Joseph sent me an email. Can you get me that little boy's name and his address because I want to take care of him and send him a bunch of stuff. That is the quality of these drivers that are in my world. The NASCAR, the IndyCar guys, there's just good, good Mm. people, good humans that give back. Um, And those are the types of things that we like to do at TMS. Yeah. What's not to love about you in this sport, man? This this is, is all good stuff, brother. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Uh, last two last two questions. Um, my partner, not to change the subject to a little humor, but my partner's not a big fan of women drivers. Ah, whatever. But I've never why, said that. Why are there no? Why, well, how do we get more people, women driving in NASCAR or in, in race cars? You know, it's uh, so there was Danica Patrick, and mm-hmm. she yeah. retired. And in the truck and in the Xfinity series, there are some women drivers. Oh, good, good, good. And so it's like everything else in life. Um, they're chomping at the bit, and they're wanting to race in the Cup series. But, um, you know, got to prove yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I think the second that they get um, more success, catch the eye of some different teams, you will see women racing yeah. in the cup series yeah. on that sunday awesome. uh let me i'm going to interject yep. one question and then we'll get our last one is nascar coming back i got this feeling oh, yeah. about this thing yeah. i mean it's like yeah the pandemic and yeah. and now people they like the concerts and the coach you know and the i think that they want to be amongst their fellow man in yes. a fun environment with a lot of people around it's yes. i mean can you talk just 
very yeah, 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 that, yeah. You know? uh, proof is in the pudding. TV ratings are up. Radio ratings are up. Attendance is up. Uh, we are the most patriotic sport in our country. There's no question about that. Um, our country is full of good people. Uh, eagles fly with eagles. Good people want to be with uh, other people. We're not political. Um, you know, supporting the military, supporting the law enforcement that we do. Mm-hmm. People want to be part of us. The racing right now is the best racing that has ever existed in the history of NASCAR. Can you say a favorite for this coming up race? Are you allowed to? Um, I wouldn't say a favorite. Um, I'll tell Small you who, wager. I'll tell you who I bet on. Please. For Darlington, Kyle Larson. Okay. There you go. He's there we go. Uber Let's hot. go, Kyle Larson. Okay. Kyle Larson, yes. U- Uber hot, Uber fast. What's the big sponsor of his? Uh, Hendrick Motorsports. Okay. Oh, good one. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Yep. He, he's a super awesome guy. Great driver. Um, he loves that slick old track. He loves running up against the wall. And that's what all, you know, Darlington has the famous Darlington stripe mm-hmm. because usually you're going to run up by the wall and most drivers, you know, may have some bad luck and hit that wall. So you get your Darlington stripe on right. the side of the car. Well, we're going to try to throw Captex Bank sticker on that car. Boom. That right, day. Boom. And we just wanted to. You're going to uh, see us in the infield, one of these, probably in this May race coming up, this NASCAR yes. All-Star Challenge. Yeah, we would up. love yeah. to interview some of the fans and just because it is a great experience. Yep. I've yeah. been lucky enough to go out there and see it. We always end the show with uh the favorite day no family though and you've had some great stories here so uh you talked to us a little bit about a place you go in the summertime and and see things what what's been the best day of your life you know sans you know kids being born graduating wives getting married that kind of thing best day of my life wow um uh memory it has to be memories with family activities it just has to be we can't um, accept that, though, Rob. It's got to be something outside of family. <laughs> something outside of family. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the problem is everybody does try to do They always go back to family, and you, we get you, it. You, you have could, to. You could go to a racetrack you went with your father and just leave that portion of the story mm-hmm. out where yeah. you just came upon the track or something like that. So I, I got one. Okay. An uber cool story. Um, so I'm a hunter, and um, I had targeted – one deer and this was in on a big deer hunt in wisconsin and it was seven days and i was after this one very unique deer at the 11th hour the last day my flight is leaving in three four hours and i'm three four hours away and i wouldn't leave and i see him and i get him Finish my business there, and um, fortunately, the plane was having some type of delay issues, and I made my flight. And if I could go back in time, when I landed back in Dallas that day, I should have bought a lottery ticket Uh, because it was just one of those days where everything goes your way. Well that said, sir. Awesome. Rob Bramage, General Manager of Texas Motor Speedway, upcoming race, NASCAR All-Star Challenge. Let's go. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Thank Captex you. Bank, for making this possible. Great job today. We yeah, thank, you. thank you. I so love much, it. Rob. I'll come back anytime. Thank I'll you. We'll have you back. We'll see we'll you soon. We'll come out and see you. Sure.
Fortitude for us.